I am so sick of the media dictating the terms of the narrative in this country. I'm so sick of having to be apologetic for who I am. I'm so sick of people in middle America being called a flyover country or slope-headed conservative teabaggers. And it's going to be teabagging day. It's hard to talk when you're teabagging. <laughs> it's so funny because the teabaggers, the one thing they hate is when you call them racist. If racism is not the whole of the Tea Party, it is in its heart. The hatred that is Timothy McVeigh, that he had. There are plenty of people like that right now. Lots of I think you get the general tenor of this. It's anti-government. This is highly promoted by the right-wing conservative network, Fox. The left pits people against each other. Divide and conquer is the strategy. I don't want to live in that world. It is the exact opposite of e pluribus uno. He said you were wrong. 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 He and what the left has stood for with political correctness is to try and get those with whom they disagree to shut up. And it, the, the Tea Party movement and Sarah Palin and Michelle Bachman and Alan West and, and all, the, all the people that have gone out there against the mainstream media and said, you're going to call us racist, you're going to call us potential Timothy McVeigh's, fuck you. War. Good morning. Good morning and welcome to Road Warrior Radio. You're tuned in live this Monday, March 13th, 2023 on the one and only Republic Broadcasting Network. And as always, thanks for coming along for the ride. It is a wild and dystopic ride in ways that we do not even realize. Last Friday, we had Amon Jabi on the broadcast and I hear that it was well received. So not surprising. Um, I think that Amon has a way of presenting information that, you know, folks on this that listen to this network uh, are probably familiar with. Much of it we're all familiar with. And then because of his professional background and also because of research that he's done, uh, some details and things that many of us are not. And he, I think he has a way of presenting that information. In a very compressed, condensed, but but digestible format. And um, so that's important. There are a lot of things that he is um, – a lot of information that he's putting out that I think we all need and would benefit from. And um, based on that information, there are difficult decisions that we all face. And I think I'm going to – take a little different direction. You know, hopefully Amon and I will be able to reprise that discussion sometime soon. I think that will happen and I think that would be a good thing. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, if you didn't listen to that, definitely uh, check that out in last Friday's archive. Uh, Friday, March 10th. But um, I think I'm going to take a little different uh, approach this morning. Maybe a little different, maybe not. Um, we, um, we don't realize, you know, again, I mean, I've, I've mentioned... Um, Sun Tzu and the concept that um, knowing yourself and knowing your enemy is important. If you know your enemies and you know yourself, you will not be imperiled in a hundred battles. If you do not know your enemies, know yourself, 
you will be imperiled in every single battle. And in similar fashion, Sun Tzu wrote, uh, to win 100 victories in 100 battles is not the acme of skill. So if you know your uh, if you know your enemy and you know yourself and you win 100 battles, you you win every time. That's not the acme of skill. According to Sun Tzu, the acme of skill to subdue the enemy without fighting is the acme of skill. So this obviously speaks to the concept of psychological warfare. What if your enemy could get a hold of your media and propaganda outlets, the outlets that everyone trusts generally for information and news and guidance and those kinds of things? What if your enemy could get a hold of those things and then shape perception about ourselves, reality, one another through those mechanisms. What a coup that would be. We live in a society where we hear certain things um, that are cliche. Much of it relates to American exceptionalism, and yet we don't know ourselves and we don't know who our enemy is. Um, John Stockwell wrote the book In Search of Enemies. Uh, Jonathan Quitney wrote the book Endless Enemies. And Stockwell made the point that the military-industrial complex needs enemies to exist and survive. This is how it justifies its existence. I've talked about the the um, regulars versus you know the volunteers, so to speak, in anything really. I most recently, I think I used the example of the fire department. The volunteer fire department doesn't have to justify its existence, but the the regulars the professionals well they have a budget and in an inflationary economic scheme that budget is constantly increasing obviously because you have more units in circulation chasing fewer goods and services and the purchasing power of each one of those units is obviously diminished year over year as more units are in- introduced that's the the inflationary economic scheme. And so the professionals have to justify their existence. And so, you know, maybe they need to find uh, a fire or something, something. they got to find something. And in this sense, the hammer starts looking for a nail and everything starts looking like a nail. This is not to disparage firefighters at all. It's just to make the point. The I used some examples actually the last time I used the fire department or the the distinction between the volunteer and the non-volunteer fire department. There are some articles that speak to this. So, in anything, this is the case. It's the George Bernard Shaw, Shaw argument. You know, everyone must be brought. Uh, you know, we should have everyone brought it in every period of years before a panel and say, sir, ma'am, can you justify your existence? And if you cannot, well, then we cannot use the great mechanism of our society to keep you alive. And so the same goes for these systems. Anyway, as Stockwell wrote, the military industrial complex needs wars and conflict. And so it goes around the world engineering chaos. And he gives some very salient and provocative examples. Of course, that goes back 50 years or so. But still, the the examples are relevant and they are emblematic of what we've seen ever since. Smedley Butler told us war is a racket, the way to... The way to uh, smash the racket is to take the profit out of it. 
And if there's a conflict and we hear that we're going to war or conflict or something like that, then a month before we ship out, everyone is paid the equivalent of uh, the E1, the lowest ranking military service man or these days woman and problem solved. We would never go to war. And that means everyone, by the way. And even if you live and operate in ivory towers, you've no access to that while we're at war or conflict these days. We don't we don't call it war anymore because Congress declares war. The last time Congress declared war was World War II. So it's been a while. But we don't understand ourselves nor our enemy. And um, we don't realize how increasingly psychically mutilated we are generationally. This is not happening by accident. My mom sent me a video. I don't know exactly how old the episode is. It's an episode of Split Ends. I'm not even familiar with the show. But it was the the glass hair episode featuring Richard Glass, the gentleman who owns Glass Studios in Venice Beach, California, and a young lady who had just graduated from beauty school and uh, was working at the loft in Grants Pass, Oregon. So she's five months out of school and um, pretty full of herself. And they switch places. The young lady goes to Richard Glass's studio that he has run for a number of years i think 20 years he's been at it 20 years i think his studio at that point had been around for about 20 years anyway so you know it's his place and the young lady who just graduated goes to his place he goes to where she works the loft in grants pass oregon and they do that for three days and what is most provocative, I mean, it's one of those reality TV things. So what can you believe? And uh, the recording of this that is on YouTube is eight years old. So I don't know how old the ap- the episode actually is. But what's most provocative is hearing the young lady at the end talking about what she learned. Uh, she learned her lesson. She says, the most important thing that I learned from this experience is if you're 20 and you think you know who you are, you don't have a, you don't have a clue. So she, she got that. And she seems, uh, somewhat typical of, the younger generations these days that think they know things that they don't. And, you know, every generation goes through this to a certain extent. But there's more these days. There is a social engineering that um, I have mentioned um From Michael Tessarian's article that I've read from, from time to time, Children of Thanatos, uh, he makes a, a very compelling case for the, what he says, you know, the key to progress in our world lies in 
the realization that psychically mutilated people are completely incapable of seeing themselves as sick and wrongheaded. It's just impossible. That's what we're dealing with. And I have said when I talk about this, I think what we're seeing with people like this young lady, for example, who is, as she says, 20 years old, but you can see she has tattoos covering much of her left arm and uh, and more. Why Why would you do that? As a young lady, at that age particularly, why would you do that? And my conjecture, I guess you could say on that, is that it's the psychic mutilation externalized. And that's why we see in each, with each generation, each successive generation, we see more of the tattoos and the piercings and this seemingly aberrant uh, persona projected out into the world to deal with what is happening internally. So is it just a normal phenomenon? Is this just something that happens with, is it a rite of passage, just something that happens with age? Or is it a cultural phenomenon due to the psychic mutilation of young people through the social engineering? And I think you can look at other people groups and see the answer. I mean, to my knowledge, the, the Amish folks are not doing this. The Anabaptist community is not plagued by this. Their young people do not think they're fantastic at age 20, only to discover like this young lady, if, you think you're, if you're 20 and you think you know who you are, you don't have a clue. Why aren't they suffering from these problems? Folks have observed, there are people who have observed that our society is um, largely infantilized. And how convenient if you, you know, if you want to control and regulate every aspect of people's lives... all the better if those people are completely out of control and don't know how to manage their own lives. Kind of stands to reason. If you want to manage everyone's life, then you, you kind of need them to not be able to manage their lives themselves. To borrow from Benjamin Franklin, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom as nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. So, if you wanted to engineer a situation like that, what would you do? Maybe you would try to break up the home. Maybe try to engineer beliefs that are harmful to people. Fracture the psyche, so to speak. Those kinds of things. I've talked about Isabel Patterson's The God Machine. And chapter 20 in particular, The Humanitarian with the Guillotine. And how she makes the case that it's the humanitarian that's actually engineering the worst conditions in the world because the humanitarian puts him, him, himself in the place of God, as she said. It is at this point that the humanitarian sets up the guillotine. And that is precisely the world that the humanitarian arranges when he gets his way. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Do you truly want to stay out of the system? Are you prepared to buy into the biggest scam since the Iraqi dinar? If not, then put your money where it belongs, in your possession, not in the hands of an international MLM cartel. At Kettle Moraine Limited, we will provide you with the finest Swiss-minted detachable gram sheets of pure 24-karat gold for hundreds of dollars less than the so-called privately issued credit cards with elusive gold backing. Gold backing... The only gold that I want is in my back pocket, not backed by promises of an operation even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is suspect of, giving a rating of C-. To get the full story, visit SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com and go to the Valcombi Bullion Vault. Once you have read the whole story about the scam being perpetrated on an unsuspecting public and how you can avoid being a victim by purchasing these beautiful, barterable, tradable sheets of gold at tremendous savings and in the strictest of privacy, be prepared to take the steps to protect your wealth with the purchase of the real deal. Detachable 50-gram gold bars from Kettle Moraine Limited by calling 602-799-8214. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else... Tell them you want AU, not BS. Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD, 602-799-8214. Hello, I'm Dr. Leonard Horowitz. I was right 30 years ago in warning the world about threatening lab virus outbreaks, AIDS, and Ebola. I was right 20 years ago when FBI Director Robert Mueller made me a suspect in the anthrax mailings because I warned the Bureau before the CIA's biocrime and Cipro sales psyops happened. I was right about COVID-19 being an AIDS-laced mutagen plan to resurge this fall to excuse officials' profitable depopulation globalization agendas. And I was right about the only safeguards being antioxidants and holy spiritual sustenance. Vitamin C, D, zinc, chlorophyll, oxygen, and oxysilver especially transmits the frequency resonance to neutralize the expanded function bioweapon. Oxysilver is a double superconductor of the healing power of love. It is the first nutraceutical invented to amplify prayer power and the faithful loving intention of your heart. Buy, try, and stockpile oxysilver through HealthyWorldStore.com When you were here before couldn't look you in the eye You're just like an angel Your skin makes me cry You float like a feather In a beautiful world I wish I was special You're so very special Welcome back. I wanna have control. In Walden, Thoreau wrote, There are a thousand hacking at the branches of evil to one who is striking at the root. And it may be that he who bestows the largest amount of time and money on the needy is doing the most by his mode of life to produce that misery which he strives in vain to relieve. That's an interesting thought. And there's a lot of charitable outreach going on, ostensibly anyway, these days. More and more, it seems. Similarly, in God of the Machine, Isabel Patterson writes in Chapter 20, The Humanitarian with the Guillotine. Uh, 
if the primary objective of the philanthropist, his justification for living, is to help others, his ultimate good requires that the others shall be in want. His happiness is the obverse of their misery. If he wishes to help humanity, quote-unquote, the whole of humanity must be in need. The humanitarian wishes to be a prime mover in the lives of others. He cannot admit either the divine or the natural order by which men have the power to help themselves. The humanitarian puts himself in the place of God. But he is confronted by two awkward facts. First, that the, com the competent do not need his assistance. And second, that the majority of people, if unperverted – positively do not want to be done good, quote-unquote, by the humanitarian. And, you know, we obviously can sort of infer or imply the efforts of the communitarian as well here. Because, you know, it's for the, it's for the greater good. Well, who is to say? Because the greater good is made up of or comprised of individuals, and have we asked all of those individuals? What of the voice of the individual in that collective? That's of no concern, though, because we're, we're doing God's work. When it is said that everyone should live primarily for others, what is the specific course to be pursued? Is each person to do exactly what any other person wants him to do without limits or reservations and only what others want him to do? What if various persons make conflicting demands? What if that's intentional, by the way? That's the Bates and Double Bind, remember? And speaking of the Bates and Double Bind, it can be socially engineered. This is a point that I, I feel compelled to return to on a regular basis. Even Wikipedia notes that Bateson and his, and his colleagues pointed this out. Under the section titled History, in the Wikipedia entry for Double Bind, their findings indicated that the tangles in communication often diagnosed as schizophrenia are not necessarily the result of an organic brain dysfunction, and it's not hereditary. Instead, they found that destructive double binds, you know, the sort of catch-22, darned if you do and darned if you don't, were a frequent pattern of communication among families of patients – and they proposed that growing up amidst perpetual double binds could lead to learned patterns of confusion and thinking and communication. Could this result in a nihilistic sort of personality, psychic mutilation, and other deleterious forces in tow? I wonder. So – Back to Isabel Patterson, what if various persons make conflicting demands? The scheme is impracticable. Perhaps then he, the humanitarian, is to do only what is actually good, quote-unquote, for others. But will those others know what is good for them? No. That is ruled out by the same difficulty. Then shall A do what he thinks is good for B and B do what he thinks is good for A or shall A accept only what he thinks is good for B and vice versa but that is absurd stick around we'll be right back after this short break You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org.
tune in Saturday mornings, 8 to 10 Central, to the Alternative Media with your host, Baron. If you've not been listening, this is some of what you've been missing. 2,000 mules, like you like you like to say occasionally, Farron, in your face. They, they, they might have a, a set of lactating mammaries available that could provide milk for their adopted children. Listen, news media, all pulling off this gigantic fraud. Rhino neocon cups. There's this wonderful thing called Vote With Your Feet. Move to California. I am a conspiracy factualist, and everyone else is a reality theorist. Hundreds, if not thousands, of ships came out of nowhere. Give me liberty or let's give you death. Any excuse to go in and kill yourself for this, this, this fraud of a government. This goes back a hundred years. When they come for your gold, give them a lead. And when they come for your guns, give them the bullets first. And God help us all. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you. And your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Please call 855-253-3748. 855-2-KEEP-IT-TODAY. American Freedom News is your daily website that will keep you fully informed on what both the good guys and bad guys are doing in the information war in which we are all engaged. Fed up with the lies of the fake news media and the censorship of big tech giants? American Freedom News is the solution as we provide truth and knowledge on all the vital issues of the day. American Freedom News believes in America first. The establishment wants us split into numerous hostile groups rather than uniting in a common cause against the corrupt oligarchy that is plundering America and the world. Many more Americans are waking up and realizing they are the victims of the ongoing Great Replacement and Great Reset. But the malevolent forces trying to systematically destroy America can and will be defeated. Be fully informed by reading American Freedom News, the best news and information site on the Internet. Go to AmericanFreedomNews.us and find out for yourself. That's AmericanFreedomNews.us. So, shall A accept only what he thinks is good for B and vice versa? That is absurd, obviously. Of course, what the humanitarian actually proposes is that he shall do what he thinks is good for everybody. And this is the communitarian bent as well. It is at this point that the humanitarian sets up the guillotine. What kind of world does the humanitarian contemplate as affording him full scope? It could only be a world filled with breadlines and hospitals in which nobody retained the natural power of a human being to help himself or to resist having things done to him. And that is precisely the world that he that the humanitarian arranges when he gets his way. I would say humanitarian is, is a sort of pseudonym for many other types, you know, the the philanthropists obviously uh, you know all of these foundations and think tanks and the communitarians, the etzionis, 
of the world. These people think along these lines. And they literally it is it's bigger than this actually, because the in the Gnostic religion there is um this sort of communitarian mindset where you have to do something to fix these things. You you have a responsibility to do these things. And that includes interfering in the lives of others. It's the R2P concept, responsibility to protect and even responsibility to prevent. And so we come right back to this idea that, you know, we have to keep people safe and secure. And uh, so, you know, how do we do that? How best can we do that? You know, we have the article on Wikipedia or on uh, republicbroadcasting.org from Rutherford Institute by John and Nisha Whitehead. Don't bow down to a dictatorial government. America is a prison disguised as, as paradise. And it's interesting. One person's paradise is another person's prison. It's interesting how closely aligned the concept of utopia and dystopia really are. And John and Nisha Whitehead began their their article with a quote from Dwight D. Eisenhower, if all that Americans want is security, they can go to prison. They'll have enough to eat, a bed, and a roof over their heads. But if an American wants wants to preserve his dignity and his equality as a human being, he must not bow his neck to a dictatorial government, and that includes his own. It was uh, Edward Abbey, wasn't it, who said that we must be uh, – a patriot must be ready to defend his country against his government, I believe is how he put it. So back to Isabel Patterson, God of the Machine, Chapter 20, The Humanitarian with the Guillotine. When a humanitarian wishes to see to it that – Everyone has a quart of milk. It is evident that he hasn't got the milk and cannot produce it himself. Or why should he merely be wishing? Furthermore, if he did have a sufficient quantity of milk to bestow a quart on everyone, as long as he as long as his proposed beneficiaries can and do produce milk for themselves, they would say no. No, thank you. Then how is the humanitarian to contrive that he shall be or have all the milk to distribute and that everyone else shall be in want of milk? There is only one way, and that is by the use of political power in the in its fullest extension. Hence, the humanitarian feels the utmost gratification when he visits or hears of a country in which everyone is restricted to ration cards. Where subsistence is doled out, the desideratum has been achieved of general want and a superior power to quote-unquote relieve it. The humanitarian, in theory, is the terrorist in action. The good people give him the power he demands because they have, accept, they have accepted his false premise. We hear this in the UBI conversations. And this is why, quite frankly, I am cautiously hopeful when I listen to Vivek Ramaswamy and his bid for president. No one told him he can't do it. And he, he is a, from what I understand, all accounts, by all accounts, he is a classic overachiever. He has realized some things, realized that some of the things that we hear are not true and has said about making them right. No one told him that he can't run for president, so he's running for president to put these things right. And contrary to the humanitarians with the guillotine, Ramaswamy seems to want to reinstate a merit-based system that we get ahead by hard work. 
and the content of our character, not by some false uh, difference that is contrived. The good people give him the power he demands because they have accepted his false premise, the humanitarian that is. The, the advance of science lent, its, lent it a specious plausibility with the increase in production. Since there is enough for everybody, why cannot the needy be provided for first? And the question thus disposed, the, uh, and the question thus disposed of permanently. If at this point it is asked, how are you to define the needy, quote unquote, and from what source and by what power is provision to be to be made for them, kind-hearted persons may exclaim indignantly, this is quibbling, narrow the definition to the very limit. But at the irreducible minimum, you cannot deny that a man who is hungry, ill-clad, and without shelter is needy. I feel like we should return to Thoreau's Walden here. Maybe we should for a moment. Speaking of the ill-clad, without shelter, seemingly needy, who's to say? Thoreau was fooled. So <clears throat> this is the this is the anecdote that Thoreau told before he mentioned that there are a thousand hacking at the branches of evil to one who is striking at the root. Thoreau wrote, be sure that you give the poor the aid they most need. Though it be your example, which leaves them far behind. If you give money, spend yourself with it and do not merely abandon it to them. We make curious mistakes sometimes. Often the poor man is not so cold and hungry as he is dirty and ragged and gross. It is, it is partly his taste and not merely his misfortune. If you give him money, he will perhaps buy more rags with it. I was wont to pity the clumsy Irish laborers who cut ice on the pond in such mean and ragged clothes while I shivered in my more tidy and somewhat more fashionable garments till one bitter cold day one who had slipped into the water came to my house to warm him and I saw him strip off three pairs of pants and two pairs of stockings ere he got down to the skin. Though they were dirty and ragged enough, it is true, and that he could afford to refuse the extra garments which I offered him. He had so many intra ones. This ducking was the very thing he needed. Then I began to pity myself. This reminds me of the young lady who realized the greatest, the most important thing I learned, she said, from this experience is if you're 20 and you think you know who you are, you don't have a clue. That's what she said. So, Thoreau writes, Then I began to pity myself, and I saw that it would be a greater charity to bestow on me a flannel shirt than a whole slop shop on him. There are a thousand hacking at the branches of evil to one who is striking at the root. And it may be that he who bestows the largest amount of time and money on the needy is doing the most by his mode of life to produce that misery which he strives in vain to relieve. It is the pious slave breeder devoting the proceeds of every tenth slave to buy a Sunday's liberty for the rest. Some show their kindness to the poor by employing them in their kitchens. Would they not be kinder if they employed themselves there? You boast of spending a tenth part of your income in charity. Maybe you should spend the nine-tenths so and done with it. Society recovers only a tenth part of the property then. Is this owing to the generosity of him who in whose possession it is found or 
to the remissness of the officers of justice. The philanthropy is almost the only virtue which is sufficiently appreciated by mankind. Nay, it is greatly overrated, and it is our selfishness which overrates it. A robust poor man, one sunny day here in Concord, praised a fellow townsman to me because, as he said, he was kind to the poor, meaning himself. The kind uncles and aunts of the race are more esteemed than its true spiritual fathers and mothers. I once heard a reverend lecture on England, a man of learning and intelligence, after enumerating her scientific, literary, and political worthies, Shakespeare, Bacon, Cromwell, Milton, Newton, and others, speak next of her Christian heroes, whom, as if his profession required it of him, he elevated to a place far above all the rest, as the greatest of, of the great. They were Penn, Howard, Mrs. Fry. Every one must feel the falsehood and cant of this. The last were not England's best men and women, only perhaps her best philanthropists. So, back to Isabel Patterson, God on the Machine, Chapter 20, The Humanitarian with the Guillotine. This quibbling narrowed the definition to the very limit, but at the irreducible minimum, you cannot deny that a man who is hungry, ill-clad, and without shelter is needy. The source of relief can only be the means of those who are not in such need. So this is, you know, this is where we get into defining terms. This is precisely where the, the question arises. This is where the rubber meets the road. Is it, is it evil to help the needy? Is it evil to want to help? Is it evil to want to give to the less fortunate? Of course not. Well, then you're a socialist, right, Chris? No, absolutely not. You're, you're, you're a communist, right? I mean, clearly, from each according to his ability to each according to his need is you advocate that. So you're a communist, right? No. Because we have to define terms, and the definition is in the nuance. It's in context. It's not in the literal, what is stated, so to speak. It's in the question, who's in charge? Who decides? Do we decide for ourselves? Or is the decision imposed on us by a coercive, the imposition of a coercive spiritual power, as Hayek puts it in uh, chapter 2? great utopia of the road to serfdom. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is impressing things on people's hearts, but I gave the example of Ananias and Sapphira last week to punctuate this point that the Raphael Warnocks who think that the early church was socialist are entirely misguided. Because there was, no co there was no coercive state power imposed upon Ananias and Sapphira. The, the Holy Spirit impressed upon them that they should sell the property. That I don't think there can be any doubt. The Holy Spirit probably put that in their heart, which led to them selling the property. But then they were dishonest in what they did with the proceeds of the sale. And Peter says, you didn't lie to men, you lied to God. So he says they had it in their power to do with the proceeds whatever they whatever they wished. Wasn't it wasn't it yours? He said, it was yours. You made the decision. The Holy Spirit may impress it upon people's hearts, but we are left to ourselves to decide whether or not we will respond to that call. There is no coercive state power that reaches into your pocket at, at gunpoint. 
you're not held hostage. So that's the difference. The source of relief can only be the means of those who are not in such need. The power already exists. If there can be a right to tax people for armies, navies, local police, road making, or any other imaginable purpose, surely there must be a, prop, a prior right to tax people for the preservation of life itself. Stick around. We'll be right back. In times like these, you can't depend on the government to keep you warm and fed, but you can depend on the Vermont Bun Baker to do just that. With the Vermont Bun Baker, you'll never be in a situation where you can't cook, bake, fry, boil water, or heat your home, all at the same time. One of the most revolutionary cook stoves, wood stoves ever, the Vermont Bun Baker is available with or without soapstone veneer, a natural stone that retains heat and radiates it back into the room once the fire is out. A beautiful addition to your home, the Vermont Bun Baker has an efficiency rating well above 75% and qualifies for the wood stove tax credit. For more information, watch the Vermont Bun Baker on YouTube and live stream or visit us at www.vermontwoodstove.com. You can also reach us by calling 1-866-SOAPSTONE. Don't ever be hungry or cold because the power's gone out. With a Vermont Bun Baker, all you have to worry about is what's for dinner. My name is Don Wiskin, and at 42 years old, I suffered a massive heart attack, lost 35% of my heart to damaged tissue, and was supposed to spend the rest of my life on disability. What did I do? I took Extendivite, a garlic and cayenne mix of seven herbs which rebuilt my heart and gave me back my life. For over 17 years now, I have made this formula available to you so you don't have to suffer the same thing I did. Clean your blocked arteries and strengthen your heart and boost your natural immune system. I'm 60 years old now, and I still work every day. To get your Extendivite, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Extend your life with Extendovite. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes. The flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago somebody left with the cup But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns And thinking of someone for whom he still burns He's going the distance He's going for speed She's all alone
Welcome back. Final segment of the first hour. So the power already exists if there can be a right to tax people for armies, navies, local police, road making, or any other imaginable purpose. Surely there must be a prior right to tax people for the preservation of life itself. People always give away a good deal if they have it. It is a human impulse, which the humanitarian plays on for his own purpose. What is wrong with institutionalizing that natural impulse in a political agency? Again, the question arises, who is in charge? Who decides? Very well again, had the farm boy done anything wrong in leaving the farm where he did where he did have enough to eat and going to Chicago once the chance of uh, on the chance of getting a job? If the answer is yes, then there must be a rightful power which shall prevent him from leaving the farm without permission. This feudal power did that. The feudal power did that. It couldn't prevent people from starving. It merely compelled them to starve right where they were, right where they were born. And this is, this is what we see happening in America. You know, what is the, how does this relate to uh, what was discussed last Friday on this broadcast, for example, with the Manjabi? Well, people are being herded into urban centers, and that's been a, a, uh, an agenda that's been in the works for many years, as Amon knows, obviously, and as we've discussed on this network, you know, since at least and even before the 1992 Rio Earth Summit, when Murray Strong announced the rewilding initiative of the entire North American continent. So people are increasingly encouraged to hide themselves in these urban centers and shelter in place there rather than to get out and uh, fend for themselves and one another as they see fit. And isn't it ironic when things go awry in the urban centers, people flee for the countryside. They run for the hills. Quite literally. Interesting how that happens. That'll do it for the first hour. Second hour coming up. We'll talk about happiness. Enjoy a little bit in the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back after this short break. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. truth you're listening to republic broadcasting network visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth